Here's the thing that I don't think a lot of you guys understand is that the NWA was in such flux after 1993, after CMLL, after New Japan Pro Wrestling, after the WCW completely abandoned the NWA. It was chaos. You still had Jim Crockett Jr. Uh, promoting. You still had, you know, uh, Don Owens in Portland. He was still promoting. Steve Rickland was still a part of the board of directors from New Zealand. You still had uh, uh, Antonio Noki who was on the board of directors, but things were in chaos. They crown a new world champion in Shane Douglas by using ECW with hopes to propel that 10 pounds of gold into something meaningful yet again, only to have ECW pull the rug out from underneath them, throws the title to the floor, disgraces the belt. Then what? What are you going to do? They find a completely uh, competent and capable man in Chris Candido to carry the 10 pounds of gold next, only to shift focus from Candido to to UFC fighter, right? UFC fighter Dan the Beast Severn. And I'm not talking about mid-card job guy UFC. I'm talking main event attraction Dan the Beast Severn. I'm talking about a guy who's winning ultimate fighting titles while holding the 10 pounds of gold. Talk about credibility. Talk about uh, spotlighting. Talk about bringing more attention to your brand than ever thought possible. You gotta remember when Dan Servan was NWA World's Heavyweight Champion from 1995 all the way to 1999, he was still actively competing for the UFC. It wasn't like he retired. It wasn't like he only took a fight here or there. He was still competing not just for UFC, but other mixed martial art companies at the time. On top of that, he was still wrestling for Dennis Corluzo. He was still wrestling for Howard Brody. He was still he was still wrestling in in all over the U.S. He's wrestling in Japan, defending the ten pounds of gold. And then when he got the call to work for the WWE, he didn't stop taking independent bookings. Guys, he was still defending the title all over the world. Uh, and enter you know Shinya Hashimoto. Excuse me, not Shinya Hashimoto. Enter Noya Ogawa. Ogawa, uh, who was a uh, like a black belt. Ju- I don't know how to say. It. He was a judo artist, and I believe he had a black belt in that style of fighting. Uh, I believe he won a silver medal for for Japan in the Olympics. And, uh, you know, Anoki at that point was really trying to build his UFO, which was more of a hybrid between pro wrestling and shoot fighting. And uh, when he brought in Ogawa, uh, Ogawa uh, ended up becoming NWA World's Champion. And I do believe that was very much a Antonio Anoki decision. And Ogawa has this title where he has now decided to come to the States. But before that, they're flying in opponents for him to face in Japan. And one of those guys is Gary Steele. Up until that point, Gary Steele was mostly an NWA hammerlock guy. And I don't know what the idea was. Like, did they think that was going to pop NWA numbers? Did they think that was going to legitimize Gary Steele? 
a one month rain isn't going to legitimize too much. A one month rain isn't going to really uh, foster a positive NWA uh, focus in the UK. Um, on this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Gary Still, Jamming Music Man, actually brought him up yesterday during our live stream. Our live streams happen, uh, the Alliance Guys live streams happen every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, on our YouTube, our Twitch, or our Kick uh, accounts. You could join us live and, and participate in the conversation if you'd like to. Uh, we'd be happy to have you. But Jamming Music Man brought up what do we think of Gary Steele's reign as world champion? So DKM, Jaden, and myself, uh, wax poetic about Gary Still and his run as world's heavyweight champion and it's honestly a shame we didn't get more Gary Still as world champion but uh, I won't keep this going any further we're going to be talking about that and more after this So, it's an interesting thing about the 10 pounds of gold and the relationship that it's had with the United Kingdom, um, even with the heavy presence of uh, British based wrestling promotions and uh, United Kingdom wrestling promotions affiliated with the NWA it it wasn't often defended there now you have to go back in a time machine and of course we, we were talking about Gary Steele's you know quote unquote defenses in the UK uh, but that was not even uh, you know there's a lot of uh, controversy associated with those title defenses uh, that Gary still had. And, and you wouldn't really see the 10 pounds of gold defended in the United Kingdom until, you know, roughly about 2002. Now, this was in conjunction with the World Wrestling All-Stars. Uh, that was the uh, short-lived wrestling promotion. Uh, it was a touring wrestling promotion based out of Australia that used a lot of the talents from the uh, from the recently closed World Championship Wrestling. And in those tours, where it mostly they mostly had shows in Australia, New Zealand, they did have a show in the United States. In fact, I was there. It was in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. But uh, they would go on. It's funny, I'm in Nevada right now. They would go on to have a few shows in the United Kingdom. And as the star power increased, there was like a this the, the this particular matchup that uh, they did basically over three times over the course of the tour of the UK. Um, their stops were in Northern Ireland, Glasgow, Scotland, and of course uh, Manchester. Uh, United Kingdom and uh, England, Manchester, England, United Kingdom. Those matches uh, would feature Lex Luger, Sting, who was the World Wrestling All-Stars champion, and Jeff Jarrett, who was your NWA World's Heavyweight champion. And believe it or not, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, a.k.a. Buff Daddy. Yeah, Buff, ba uh, Buff Bagwell was in those matches as well. So that was really the first time outside of uh, 
of Gary Steele's title defenses that the 10 pounds of gold was in the UK, it would be a very long time before we would see the 10 pounds of gold return. In fact, it wouldn't be until Blue Demon became NWA World's Champion, uh, and this was actually uh, predates the NWA Showcase. He had two title defenses in Europe. One of them was in the United Kingdom, and one of them was in Madrid, Spain. So uh, Blue Demon uh, with his Lucha Libre, I think it was called, uh, oh, I'm going to botch the name here. I think it was like Todos Lucha Libre. He defended that title uh, in the UK. And then, um, of course, then shortly after that, uh, well, I think it was like his third reign, Adam Pierce would uh, defend the title against Zack Sabre Jr. in the United Kingdom, uh, as uh, I think that was with um, Hammerlock. And then it would be uh, all those years later before Nick Aldis would get those title defenses in the United Kingdom. So it was quite an interesting time for the 10 pounds of gold. Obviously, it hasn't been back to the UK. Uh, since Nick Aldis, and I'm wondering if if Tyrus or EC3 or whoever's next next as World's Heavyweight Champion will have success in bringing the 10 pounds of gold back to the United Kingdom. In uh, 2000, I believe, uh, there was uh, an NWA affiliate in the UK called NWA Hammerlock. Um, it was actually where Zack Sabre Jr. got a start. So, um, and Doug Williams was involved with that. So there were, you know, there was, there was some good history with, with that promotion. And uh, yeah, Gary Steele uh, actually had it. He was kind of a weird anomaly because he sort of, he did that and then he kind of disappeared. Like no one really knows what happened to him. And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a, not a particularly uh, well-known, you know, moment in the history of the NWA championship, but yeah, it, it was him. But, um, it's always it's always good to me. I'm, I'm I'm a patriot. You know, I've lived in the United States for ten years, but I'm still a patriot. I still love my country. So anytime you know, I've been able to break any glass. Um, Jamming Music Man says, "Here's a throwback," and I'm going to let you guys uh, answer this. So I'm going to lay out. What's your thoughts on Gary Steele's NWA title reign from 1999? Do you want to start, DK? Do you want me to start? Uh, you can start. I'm, I'm curious as to your view. I actually liked Gary Steele and thought he had a lot of potential as a wrestler. He had a lot of talent. He was a very good British competitor. Uh, I think it was done more in the thing to get the world title aspect over, in my opinion, being it's never really been defended in the United Kingdom until much more recently, like in the history of the NWA, there really wasn't a British member of the NWA or wasn't defended in great in the Great Britain area at all during that time. So it was a good way to get something special to happen. Uh, just like everything in that time, I think if they had somebody in charge who was really good at putting things together and they had a good outlet for it, it could have been something. Unfortunately, it was just more of a, hey, let's we have a championship match to change in title. But again, it was a good wrestler and a good uh, something, I guess, for something special to the NWA, but they didn't have the capability or the know-how to capitalize on. TK? Uh, among the smarks that followed the NWA at the time, he was very popular. And he was, in fact, very, I really enjoyed him too. 
there was a big complaint. A lot of us felt like he kind of got screwed over in his world title thing. I can't imagine that happening in the NWA. <laughs> no, well, controversy. For for yeah, right. For those who don't know, he won the title in a three-way. And uh, who was the champion? Was it a? a it was Hashimoto, wasn't it? What? Or was it a Carino? It was Carino, right? No, Carino. Carino lost to Hashimoto. Uh, it was. Um, Ogawa, wasn't it? Ogawa, yeah, that's it. Okay, all right. So it was. I don't remember who the third person was. I'm very sorry, but it was Ogawa and another person in Steel, and they were wrestling in a three-way. It was elimination style, and so Ogawa had just eliminated the other guy when. Uh, rolled up Ogawa for the win. So it was almost like a cheap win, you know. Was it Brian Anthony? Yes. Okay. okay. I can't yeah. believe I remember that. <laughs> I was literally looking it up and just as you said it, like, yep, right there, Brian Anthony. I think I, I just, the name Brian Anthony just popped out to me once you said that. I'm like, I have no idea why that I remember that. That is something I was grabbing in there. He was the one that was Oh, God. Talk about a freaking mess the NWA was back then. He was the one that... that, that there was legitimate heat between some of the NWA promoters. So I know that's surprising, but yes. There was legitimate heat. And so they turned it into a storyline. They were going to split the union. Right. And so... Brian Anthony was supposed to have a title defense against Ogawa, but he wasn't there. And so he brought out someone with that thing and, you know, and used that name and pinned him. And so he was claiming to be the real world champion. And so half the promoters or a third of the promoters were, were recognizing him. And the others were recognizing Ogawa as the champion. Now, this came from... Uh, a promoter who was Tony Rumble, who was a jackass. Sorry for those that may have known him and loved him. But basically, he had a tendency to out dirty laundry of the NWA. And uh, he was he was mad because he found out that the NWA had voted to give his team the NWA World Tag Team titles, but didn't tell him they had also voted to give uh, Ken Taylor's team the titles afterwards. And so he was mad because no one had told him and everything like that. In fact, he refused to recognize recognize uh, the title change when it finally happened and everything. What a maroon. Oh, there was a big mess. Like, they basically said they couldn't defend the titles until they faced uh, Team Extreme was the name of the Texas team. Until they faced Team Extreme. So he did a title change up there and then claimed that the titles then claimed that the titles that were won by Team Extreme were his 
promotions tag team titles, not the world tag team titles. And so he continued to recognize his team as the world tag team champions. So when he was told he could get kicked out for recognizing other world champions, he dropped the world from it and just called them the NWA tag team champions. And it was one of those things where uh, who knows where it would have gone, but he sadly passed away. And uh, his promotion didn't survive a whole lot longer. Uh, but anyway, so Brian Anthony was this fake champion. So there was a three-way between the three of them. Uh, he won. Then there was the rematch actually in Tony Rumble's uh, promotion where Rumble came out with Ogawa, even though Ogawa didn't want him there. And then did something that this like five days later, six days later, one of those typical hot shot title changes. And he brought it back and, you know, Ogawa regained the title and beat up Rumble or something like that. I don't remember exactly. And so he was never given a real title reign. And, and is he, it okay if I... he actually sort of won it a second time. Yeah. And that was when Steve Carino retired as champion and then went to Florida and lost to was that was Hashimoto, right? Yeah. Except for the match was stopped and Jim Miller, who was one of the idiot promoters at the time and had just become NWA president, walks out and for the first time ever, storyline wise, he held up the NWA title because Hashimoto had not won by pinfall or submission. So Carino was supposedly retired. Hashimoto had won the title, but he wasn't champion. And then Carino went on to continue to defend his belt, went to England, to the United Kingdom, where he defended his belt in a ladder match against Steele. He's the one that climbed the ladder, unhooked the belt, but dropped it, and Steele caught it at the bottom. And so he was claiming to be champion again, which led to a round-robin tournament. In, guess where? Uh, Jim Miller's promotion. Where basically they wrestled each other that night. And the first one to get two straight victories, which would mean that he beat both guys in a row, would be the champion. But that's not the way they set the matches up. It was like Hashimoto beat Steele. And then uh, Carino, whoever the other person was, you know, beat Steele. And then Hashimoto beat the guy. And then congratulations, he's the champion. So it was this horribly booked horribly booked segment from the time that Crino announced his retirement and stopped showing up for title defenses until they filled the damn title at Jim Miller's show. Because he didn't so, want because he didn't want title change taking place at Brody's show because he didn't like Brody. Can I can I talk a little bit about Gary Steele now? Uh no. the wrestling? Too bad. Yes. Um, so 
So Gary still kind of uh, he broke into the Hammerlock promotion that was based in the UK. That was the first significant NWA promotion in the UK. Before that, uh, the UK was kind of like a uh, it was either like WWE or like World of Sport. Now they had they had wrestling promotions, do tours there, like WCW went through there, and also at the same time uh, or not same time, but later down the road, World Wrestling All Stars from Australia did a few tours there. And of course, since then, Impact has done a lot of tours there, but. You know, Hammerlock was one of the bigger promotions at the time. And we're talking like guys like uh, Andre uh, Baker. We're talking about Doug Williams. And, of course, Gary Still was very much one of these guys. And Gary Still, uh, you know, after about four years uh, working in Hammerlock and kind of building up his reputation, he was chosen to be uh, an opponent for Ogawa, not in, not in an NWA ring, but in Japan. Uh, for the UFO, which was like that was, I believe, Anoki's promotion at the time, where it's more of a uh, more uh, not not mixed martial arts, but more of a shoot style of wrestling. It was still worked, but it was like a shoot work style of wrestling. So, I mean, that right there in and of itself, Gary Steele was a tough dude to be in the ring with Ogawa, who was a former judo uh, gold or uh, uh, not gold medalist, but a, a judo medalist in the Olympics. They were uh, silver medalist silver medalists and so he wrestled first they had a match in georgia and i believe that was a wild side maybe it was not wild side i don't remember but they had a title match there so you had a guy from the uk wrestling a guy from japan in georgia of all places for the 10 pounds of gold then the match they had another match uh in japan ufo uh at the osaka perfectual perfectural gymnasium in osaka japan and so like there's your next big step for him uh, he doesn't win the title there either. And, and storyline wise, storyline wise at this time, remember Ogawa is the guy that beat Dan to be severed for the belts. Now Ogawa is wrestling all over Japan. And storyline wise, Hashimoto has been chasing Ogawa, and like he really like uh, 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 Ogawa really brutalized Hashimoto in a New Japan ring so much so that they thought he uh, had served like a concussion, and they pulled Hashimoto out. Uh, uh, when when uh, when Ogawa had come to the United States, Hashimoto jumped on a plane and followed him here. They never actually had another return bout. They never had that other match, but they were battling each other. Uh, or he was trying to pursue Ogawa to give him another NWA title match. Then storylines changed, and, and and much like what uh, GK was explaining, the whole battle of the belts. Uh, you know, Gary still finally wins the title. Um, in that three-way with Ogawa and Anthony. And then, uh, and then whatever happens, like Gary still somehow ends up back with that title. I never heard that story before of the ladder match, but I've always seen like, yeah, he was defending the title in the UK. It's like, wait, hold on now. Like that whole storyline was just bonkers. So at, at the very least, uh, they did get some closure. Gary still deserved better than what he got. I, I do agree with that. I will say this. I know uh, towards the end of his career, he had wrestled for a few matches in zero one. And I know that uh, everybody's pal, Nick Aldis put him over at the uh, first Crockett cup uh, with the lightning one era when asked about former UK champions uh, or asked about being a UK world heavyweight champion. Uh, all this was very uh, political and also very, uh, progressive in mentioning that Gary Steele was a former NWA world champion. Well, I'm sorry. I just wanted to give the, give the guy his due. 
and, and, no, and I mean, that's, that's all good. It, I mean, there was a reason the fans liked him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time. So, you know, a lot of us wanted him to have a serious run with the title. Now, it may not have been. I mean, they put the title on a Japanese guy who never, you know, defend title once every 10 months or, you know, not that bad. But, you know, rarely. And so we couldn't understand why they couldn't have let him hold the title and defend it in the U.K., for a while, but oh well, politics. Well, yeah, and at the time too, you gotta also remember that. Uh, uh, was that uh, before Marquez? Yeah, that was before Marquez, but that was when Anoki had so, like a lot of authority still in the with the NWA. Like he was still kind of he, well, wasn't, he was the actual member. Anoki. Yeah. And so uh, over the course of 195 days. Uh, Ogawa defended that title like uh, eight times. Uh, he beat Severn in um, in a UFO ring again. That was the uh, the Anoki promotion, and then Ogawa would go to your neck of the woods at North Richland Hills, Texas, and uh, and defend against uh, Dan Severn. They'd have a double countout, and then in five more minutes, they went to the time limit draw. Then he would defeat Gary Steele. He would defeat Doug Gilbert. Um, he would defeat Biggie Biggs. And, yeah, Biggie always talks about that match. Yeah, it, it it's kind of funny. Biggie Biggs has a similar story to uh, our pal Jeremiah Plunkett. You know, both wrestling the Japanese wrestler who was the NWA World Champion. I think that's kind of interesting. Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, the premier source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. Would you consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode? You can follow us on all social media at the Alliance Blog, and we stream live on Twitch, Kick, and YouTube every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Alliance Blog. Until then... We are the Alliance.